Welcome back to the Movie Babble Podcast. As always, you can check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com. And this week, you've got myself, Colin, and I'm joined by Nick as we talk about the opening weekend for Men in Black International, Shaft, The Dead Don't Die, and Late Night. Breaking down this week's top five, we've got Men in Black International opening up with $28.5 million, followed by The Secret Life of Pets 2 with $23.8. Aladdin still hanging on in the number three spot with $16.7 million, followed by Dark Phoenix with $9 million, and Rocketman rounds out the top five once again with $8.8 million. Um, so it's been a pretty dismal week. I mean, this is just kind of sad looking at all these numbers <laughs> especially like when we've been looking at you know endgame and honestly pretty much just endgame <laughs> as far as blockbuster successes this year have gone you know we've had like moderate stuff but yeah everything's just been kind of sad um but in black this is the lowest opening in the franchise this is not even a quarter of its budget like estimated production budget that it got opening weekend uh, worldwide, it's sitting around 100 million, so it's got some legs overseas, um, which I, I think they kind of banked on with how many locations this movie goes into. But yeah, this is just kind of a sad end to the franchise, I guess. I, I really don't see them making just pursuing Men in Black International any further if it keeps pulling these numbers. Yeah, I think we've seen the last of Men in Black, at least for like the next 50 years or something like that i mean we live on an infinite timeline i guess for these things so i guess sometime at some point in the future it'd get rebooted but uh yeah we're <laughs> we're kind of done with men in black for a while um this was i mean it's been well documented that sony has just been just thirsting after ip for years ever since um back in the early 2010s where the marvel marvel comics and just superhero movies in general became huge and ip um, blockbusters and they've just been scouring just looking through their entire catalog and thinking hey what can we bring back and um, they tried Men in Black and uh, I mean you were the one who's seen it out of the two of us and it's apparently not good um, 100, 110 uh, million, million dollar budget um, only made 102 worldwide um, so uh, that's not good uh, <laughs> you will at least want to take get back your production budget and your opening weekend if you're gonna suffer at all and that this movie hasn't done that even so uh yeah this is not great and there was even uh talk behind the scenes that there was production issues with men in black um so uh this is just a this is just a misfire for sony and just it's just it's another thing all these sequels this summer have just been just atrociously underperforming and we'll get a get to a couple others in the top five here but uh this isn't good this is this is a bad summer so far yeah, and I mean, Men in Black, so this is the fourth movie in the franchise. This is, they've all opened up around like 52 million is probably the median. Um, and yeah, Men in Black International is opening up at 28.5 domestic. So just a little over half of what, you know, Men in Black 2, Men in Black 3, Men in Black 1 were all opening up. You know, that was 20 years ago in the case of Men in Black 1. So yeah, this this I'd say this franchise is kind of dead, which it was already dead before. And then they 
resurrected it for this, but <laughs> that's kind of where we're at. And yeah, I I saw it. It's 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 sad because you know if you watch Thor Ragnarok, you know that like Hemsworth and um, Tessa Thompson have chemistry, and this movie just tries as hard as it can to like split up that chemistry and just keep them from being likable together on screen. Um, and it just makes me sad. And like, they don't really know what to do with Hemsworth's character. I honestly can't tell you if he's just like the most badass men in black agent ever, or if he's just a meathead because he like waffles <laughs> back and forth every couple scenes. Um, the plot twist, you'll be able to pick it out within the first scene pretty much. Um, and it, my biggest problem with this movie is it just, felt like the people making it had never seen any of the other three and just tried to turn it into this high concept like gangster space movie and just really lost like kind of the heart of what will smith brought to it with uh, men in black one two and three yeah this was definitely a cold-hearted uh just studio kind of feels like a studio mandated sequel here because it just it has all the just all the bad markings of something they're just trying really really hard to just make into a into a massive franchise for years to come because it, go, it goes global it just becomes a real like you mentioned just a just a big spy fun spy romp i guess and uh it just yeah it forgets there's like the first men in black movie is pretty solidly contained it's just will smith and um tommy lee jones being fun and yeah this movie just looks like it's just desperately trying to be Thor Ragnarok but as you said it, it failed so um and this is really interesting because the director is F. Gary Gray and he was the director behind The Fate of the Furious and just straight out of Compton and I mean you can say what you want about either of those movies I'm sure out of Compton's a pretty decent movie but um guy knows how to make a blockbuster and make one successful and kind of feed into that audience um so it just this is just kind of a misfire and I think it, I think that really speaks again to just there was issues on this set and they couldn't really figure out what they wanted to do with it. And um, it's, it's a tough, tough look for Sony. Uh, it's just, uh, there's nothing really positive to get out of this, except I, I hope Chris Hemsworth keeps getting other fun uh, franchises other than Thor. Cause he's just, he's just great. And I hope the same for Tessa Thompson. So uh, I don't know. This is, this is a tough one. Yeah. And it, I think it struggles a lot because it expands and, and like villain wise, Men in Black has always been really good about having like these villains that don't really have much in the way of a strong motivation, but they're like really entertaining and really stick out. I mean, like the first Men in Black villain is a giant cockroach, <laughs> and like the villain in this movie, they like build up how powerful and unkillable it is, and then in the last act, they like swap out for another villain that makes no sense. And yeah, it's, it's this movie is just an intergalactic train wreck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um it's just it's like it's one of the most soulless like blockbusters i've seen in a while so you're saying there isn't a vincent d'onofrio just yelling at people for more sugar water in this movie um because fortunately no there's like a space cloud that eventually becomes a squid um and i, I don't really understand the transition there <laughs> this sounds like galactus but... from the, from the fantastic four movies <laughs> <laughs> am i right is it, like, is, it, is, it, is it like that it almost is and then um oh, like no. with so <laughs> kumail nanjiani is in here is like this little chess piece alien and he's like it's really obvious that they 
like made this character, modeled it, put it in the movie, and then cast him because the voice does not fit with like half of the animation. Um, <laughs> so you see just like a lot of last minute stuff like that in the movie. Oof. Yeah, and that really speaks so, to just to just being slapdashed and reshoots <laughs> and things like that. Because it's uh, yeah, if you're if you're doing a, like a ton of reshoots, you see we'll talk about Dark Phoenix in a second because that's just crashing and burning worse than this movie. But if you if you try to do a bunch of effects driven things and you keep going back to reshoots, like that's <laughs> that's 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 what gets your price going way out of control. So yeah, yeah. Out of the two Emma Thompson movies this weekend, uh, definitely pick the other one, and we'll talk about Late Night here in a little bit, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Men in Black. I really don't expect to have to talk about this for um, any other week after this one. <laughs> I just don't <laughs> see this going anywhere. I think Aladdin yes. will still be outgrossing this next week. Oof. Um, so moving on, we'll go to The Secret Life of Pets Two, which is its second week. Um, it actually opened up in three more theaters this week, but still had a, about a forty-nine percent drop. It's at twenty-three point eight million, and it just kind of continues the sequel trend this summer. We're not seeing much success outside of the Avengers and John Wick as far as sequels go. Yeah, it's this movie. So it's Illumination. We talked about this a little bit last week. They're really good at just churning out. 70 to 80 million dollar animated movies and all of their movies are cost just that like right around there and most of them are incredibly profitable and you know they just make a make a shit they just make a shit ton of money off their off their animated movies it's just they're a lot of them aren't great and i have a lot of issues with illumination but they just make a ton of money um and we uh, secret life of pets was a crazy crazy hit and this movie is really struggling i mean we talked about this a lot last week like but it's only at 154 million worldwide um, on an 80 million dollar budget, so it's probably going to make its money back. Uh, it's probably close to that at some point. I imagine if this gets to like 200 or 250, it'll probably break even. It's probably that break even point. But even still, that's a ridiculous drop off. You're looking at something that's like five, at least 500 million less <laughs> as a sequel, which is that's so absurd and kind of. There's just general sequel and franchise fatigue. It just seems like for just or just the products aren't as good, and we can talk about that. But it's just it, it, it's a unprecedented drop for a movie that was so so like be, not beloved, but just well well seen. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of bleeding over. With is something we've just seen a lot of this summer, and you know, I know people say that pretty much every summer. Um, but we've had like, you know, almost four weeks in a row of just these lackluster sequels just kind of bombing or underperforming. And I think Secret Life of Pets is just kind of in there. We talked about last week. I don't think it was marketed as well as it could have been. Um, you know, they didn't even really put out full trailers until, you know, a few weeks ago um, or at least a month or two ago. And nobody really knew what this movie was about. Apparently, nobody really knows what it's about still, and it's just kind of underperforming with everything else. Yeah, it's it's just such a weird thing. Like, even because the first movie, well, I still haven't seen it, but it's all intents and purposes. It's, it's fine to, like, whatever. If you're a kid, like, it's light and, like, there's slapstick jokes, so they'll do be fine. And if you're an adult, you can, seems like you can tolerate it. So it's just, I just don't get it it's that the marketing must have really not hit home at all or people just had no idea it was coming or 
that's just so weird that such a like such a movie would drop this way. But uh, yeah, it's Universal. Universal and Illumination is not they're not happy about this one. That's for sure. Yeah, I guess the best way to describe the first movie is it's like the generic brand of Toy Story. Like it's kind of the same setup. Um, new dog comes in, older dog is jealous, and then set off on the same like adventure as Buzz and Woody do in the first Toy Story. Um, and yeah, I think it it's like like when you when you have these movies that that come after like the big movie, and you, you see this with like superhero franchises, where you'll have like DC was like, oh, we're gonna do what Marvel did, but with our our painted coat on it. And I feel like Secret Life of Pets is just kind of that same thing, and it's quickly falling apart. Yeah, it's much uh, like the DCEU. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that kind of wraps up Secret Life of Pets. And then moving on to one of the rare successes this summer is Aladdin, which only had about a 32% drop, uh, still pulled in $16.7 million and is sitting around 720, almost 725 million worldwide. Um, this is pulling really solid numbers, especially for a movie that, you know, a month and a half ago, we didn't really know if it was going to be a flop or a success. And this has been one of the most consistent movies this summer. Um, you know, it's consistently been in the top three. Um, I don't think it's actually been below the top three at all uh, since it released. So it's been pulling pretty steady numbers. Yeah, it's it's already the third highest grossing movie of the year. It's at seven hundred and twenty five million worldwide. Uh, just past the Wandering Earth, the Chinese movie that came out and just dropped on Netflix a few weeks ago. But uh, it's doing really well. People love Aladdin, and that's kind of what you get with this movie. It's it's that it's that story again with live action and weird Will Smith and blue CGI and just stuff like that so it's it's just the same thing and people love aladdin and that like, this is just really a testament to that and uh just the, the kind of fervor that's there's been for the like the just the love that's not love or just the mass masses going out to see this movie just it really just has primed me for just how crazy the live action lion king is or, well not live action it's animated but cgi whatever uh it's a discussion for another for another day but just <laughs> The, the new Lion King is just gonna just be a, it's just gonna go gangbusters at the, the box office and everyone's gonna go see that movie which is uh, I'm just preparing my body for that and it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a lot and I'm gonna be on the podcast better because it's member berries again but you know whatever <laughs> it's, it's just this movie's Aladdin's doing really well and it's I guess good for this little startup called Disney they're doing all right for themselves and they'll probably be around for a little bit so yeah I, <laughs> I don't have really much to say it's doing well um, just like touching on the Lion King I actually have pretty high hopes for that just because I trust John Favreau is a storyteller um, like yeah it's, it's probably going to fall into a lot of the same trap as you know Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and all these other remakes have but I also really liked what Favreau did with uh, the Jungle Book, and I'm hoping he'll take Lion King kind of in that direction. So I'm, I'm staying positive. Um, you know, I'm ready for disappointment, but I'm gonna stay positive till it comes out. <laughs> yeah, I think that's totally fair. I'm, I think I'm just at the point where a lot of these live action movies are just, they're just kind of the same thing. So you kind of, they're at the point where they have to prove me wrong in a sense, which is probably not the best. I, the way to look at it as a critic going into these movies, but it's just a lot of them are just kind of the same, and that's just kind of boring to me. Um, so yeah, but I totally yeah, the 
Jungle Book is really solid. Uh, John Favreau is really talented, and he's just really smart director and knows what he's doing. So there's, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of good stuff in there. I'm just like, I like being the cynical asshole of the two. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how I was with Godzilla. So we, we, we rotate through that. <laughs> We're bouncing each other out. We're doing okay. <laughs> um, so we'll move on to a movie that nobody was positive about. Um, Dark Phoenix had a 72.6% drop. This is its second week. It's pulling in 9 million domestic um, Simon Kinberg, the director, actually came out this week and took the blame for it, which you don't really see the director taking the blame um, for a failure, especially when it's only its second week at the box office. Um, so everyone behind this movie is kind of thrown in the towel already. And yeah, Dark Phoenix is is fizzling fast. <laughs> Dropped 72.6% this week. That's... That's rough. I can't remember uh, a percentage drop that high in forever. Even like Batman v Superman wasn't that high, if I recall correctly. It's just, this is this is rough. <laughs> dropped to nine million already, and it's only made fifty-one million in the U.S., two hundred and four worldwide, and its reported budget was two hundred. So we're not going to get and anywhere close to making money back on this one. It's probably going to lose Fox just on box office receipts. Probably lose them. Over a hundred million dollars, if you're looking at the break-even point, which is typically two and a half times your production budget. So, uh, yeah, or even three with these three times with these crazy blockbusters. So, <laughs> I don't see this movie making five hundred, six hundred million dollars. Uh, this is really, and it just kind of hits home what we talked about last week. It's just this is just kind of sad for X Men, and I mean, who knows if. Um, New Mutants comes out ever, or if it's just drawn dropped on Hulu or something like that. But, I mean, that's we're we're better off not holding our breath on that one. So I mean, this for all intents and purposes is the end of this uh, the the current form of the X Men, and it's just it's just sad because I think about this movie and I think about all the good times and Days of Future Past and Logan and even going for the back X two and. All these, it's just tough to see these movies just kind of just go without a whimper. It's really, it's really tough. Yeah, it's kind of depressing. Um, <laughs> and I think Disney or Fox or whatever you want to call them is going to pretty much just sweep this under the rug. And I think, unfortunately, the franchise is just kind of going to go along with it. Because, um, you know, this is, it, it's really weird because the X-Men franchise is almost two franchises, just the way they structured like the, the reboot with first class and yeah, it ties in, but it's, it's kind of been its own thing at the same time, but it's still sad to see, you know, kind of the grandfather of, of all the Marvel properties just die like this. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, there's just nothing. There's like no silver lining to this at all. It's just a bona fide flop, uh, pretty bad movie. Uh, I, still haven't seen anyone that's been like, yeah, this movie was great. Like it's, there's just nothing. It's just kind of self-serious and depressing and shoddy. And I mean, I guess kudos to Kimber he, for coming out and taking the blame. I mean, who knows how much of it was truly his fault or not. If he's, if he's just being a good guy, but um, he just knows how to work in a studio system and, and makes everyone else's feel better about their job. If he just comes out and says, Hey, my bad. So, uh, who knows? Maybe he's just trying to get in deep with uh, Disney and they keep him on for future stuff. I have no idea. So it's just rough. And I haven't really seen any of the actors or actresses really come out and talk about this movie at all. They 
they showed up, they did all of their press tours, they did the they they did they did the uh, wired thing where they fill out the answer people's questions where they where they Google them on whatever on Google or whatever things like that and they did all their jokey things and did all the stuff like that and then they just kind of went away and they're gone to the next thing and <laughs> they're hoping no one talks about this movie anymore and uh, it's it's just a bummer and this we're we're gonna see this movie drop way out of the top five next week and they'll go away and then we won't have this anymore and we'll come back in five years and the X-Men will be in the MCU and we'll be like, Oh, this is great. This is awesome. And then we'll, the MCU will take over our lives for the rest of eternity. So, um, <laughs> I'm prepared. <laughs> you can hear I it. Think, the sadness in my voice. <laughs> I think, unfortunately, this movie's kind of going to end up like the blade franchise where like, You'll see it on Hulu, you know, five years from now, and you'll look back and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, people used to be okay with that kind of superhero movie. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You like acknowledge it in the moment and then forget it exists every moment out of that. Yeah, all the hipsters would be like, yeah, you guys like your you like your Marvel movies. But I remember when it was really cool to like the X-Men back (laughs) in the day and. And yeah, we had they they weren't very good, but they were something, right? And we'll like, yeah, I shouldn't stop talking, but <laughs> yeah, it's just this is sad. I don't really want to talk about this anymore. It's just a bummer. So, talking about a better performing movie, um, Rocket Man is still hanging on in the top five with uh, eight million this week. It's its third week at the box office, uh, or actually eight point eight million. Um, only had a thirty six point three percent drop which kind of like Aladdin this late in the game, that's pretty impressive. And Rocket Man is just earning a steady paycheck. Um, you know, it's, I, we've talked about it before. It's not going to pull Bohemian numbers, but it is pulling enough numbers to warrant its own existence and make a nice little profit for Paramount. Yeah, it's already tripled its budget. It's at $133 million worldwide off a $40 million budget. So it's doing well in that respect. And I think we're going to see this movie really just kind of pepper in like five or six million at the every week for the next couple of weeks and really just kind of just slowly creep up it's for its domestic and worldwide and take and maybe even get close to 200 million um i don't see that happening but it'll probably get close to that and we'll it'll probably be a decent hit and i for i foresee rocket man being a really good like a really big uh, at-home rental movie where yeah. people didn't necessarily want to pull the trigger on seeing it there, but they're like, oh yeah, I wanted to see that. So it'll probably make a bunch of money there. So it's, uh, it's doing fine. I think it's definitely Paramount definitely wanted this to be a, I mean, with any movie, you want it to be a breakaway hit, but I think they were really hoping that this one would be a big deal and they would push Taron Edgerton for best actor and all these different things and whatnot. And maybe Elton John makes an appearance at the Oscar campaign and stuff like that. But I just, I don't really see that happening. I think this just move this movie is just going to be a solid hit for paramount and then it'll just kind of have its life on netflix or whatever streaming service it goes to after that wait till paramount has their streaming service it'll be uh musical <laughs> biopics only god that'd be the uh, saddest <laughs> streaming service <laughs> what would they have just transformers movies a quiet place uh be this. better than the Lionsgate service <laughs> <laughs> oh god what would that one twilight hunger games Hellboy. Hellboy. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Yikes. So, uh, Paramount. <laughs> Poor Paramount. Moving on from some uh, delusional streaming services. <laughs> uh, we had two other movies open up 
wide this weekend. Um, neither one of them cracked the top five. Really, we have three, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, but first is the second Shaft reboot. Um, <laughs> third movie named Shaft to debut with $8.3 million. Um, I haven't been able to find an estimated budget for it yet. But considering you have Samuel L. Jackson and this is kind of an action blockbuster, I'm assuming it was much higher than $8 million. Um, and yeah, I just don't know if this movie was A, anything people really wanted, and B, I don't think Shaft as a character is a, like works in 2019. Um, like <laughs> this character, the original Shaft is kind of famous because it was a 70s, uh, like huge black exploitation film. And uh, basically, like if you if you talk to anybody on the internet, the only thing they know about Shaft is that he hits women sometimes. Um, like if you Donald Glover has a really good bit about it, if you're bored, look that up. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I just don't think Shaft works with a modern audience, and I think this is kind of reflective of that. Yeah, I've I've seen estimates around thirty million for this movie, which I mean, yeah, a little, little like you said, a little more than eight. Uh, so this isn't great. Uh, it's yeah, this isn't good. Um, like you said, like why why did why does this movie exist? We we had the first couple Shaft movies, then there was a Shaft uh, TV show, I think, and then we had the uh, the reboot, and I think it was two thousand, and it was with Samuel and with a. I think Christian Bale was the was the bad guy in that movie, young Christian Bale. <laughs> um, and so now we have Shaft 2019, which is supposedly a reboot of that 20 of the 2000 movie, but Sam Sam Jackson's in it, and Richard. I'm really confused. <laughs> this just feels like this. This is just like Warner Brothers saying, "All right, what do we got? Uh, oh, we have this Shaft thing. Uh, do people like Shaft? So I don't know. Let's just let's just throw it out there and see what happens." And Sam Jackson's still vibrant in, in ten movies a year, so we'll see what we'll see what happens there. And yeah, I just like you said, like this is just a weird choice for 2019. And like I think even in the trailer they joke about um, him hitting women when I, and it's like this is this isn't great. <laughs> I don't, I'm not really interested in this. Uh, this doesn't look fun. So um, I think Usher's kids in this movie. So that's that's something. That's probably not good, but it's something. Uh, it's. <laughs> Uh, this is not good. I don't really see like this will probably leave more than half of its theaters next week uh, with a bunch <laughs> of other movies coming in, and uh, this is uh, this is uh, this is just a this is a squirrely one. I don't really understand why this exists. Yeah. So apparently there were three Shaft movies um, in the right. in 71, 72, 73. Yeah. Um, really, the only like true hit the Shaft franchise has had is like the original from nineteen seventy one. Um, this is basically Men in Black. Like they've had one hit, and they just keep trying to remake it and like <laughs> go off the steam from the original, and they just haven't figured it out. <laughs> yeah, it's and this is and this is directed by Tim Story. And if you don't know that name, you've seen his movies. He just literally he's a director for hire. I couldn't tell you what his style is, but he's just all over. Just like he did, he did the Fantastic Four movies. The, the the fox the the what the original ones I guess are you know ride along and ride along too and think like a man and like he's just he's just a director for hire does all these different movies and um so this it's he doesn't really have anything he did barbershop uh and all this kind of all these other things so he's just he's a working man and he's gonna make his movies and he's gonna film that script and 
you're gonna hopefully go see it. I mean, he's good for him. Story, he's a lot of <laughs> making a lot of movies. He's 50 years old, still making movies, so good for him. But uh, yeah, this just this is just a cold, a stone cold corporate product. <laughs> That's what this movie is, and they kind of failed. And we're seeing that a lot. It was just people just don't really care about your dumb IPs. Um, <laughs> just stop trying to do it. Maybe uh, is the <laughs> lesson here. Uh, I don't know. It's just yeah. There, there's just no artistic really integrity to this movie it's just it's just there and they thought that maybe it would make a cool amount of money but uh now they failed <laughs> so uh sorry shaft yeah this movie exists and that's about all it will ever do yep oh. <laughs> so <laughs> moving on just want to make a quick note of john wick chapter three um it dropped into a little over 700 theaters um but only had about a 18 percent dip um so this like aladdin has been one of the most consistent movies this summer and then one of the uh, wide releases this week um, was Late Night. It debuted last week in about four theaters, um, had a little bit over 2,000 more theaters this week. And, you know, it's not pulling uh, superb numbers. Um, it's not going to be as big a hit for Amazon like The Big Sick was a couple years ago. Uh, but I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was very sincere, and it juggles a lot of like characters and arcs and it, it's really surprising just how much they were able to fit into this movie. And I feel like it could have very easily been just a huge mess, uh, but it was just really well-directed, uh, really charming, well-written. Um, it's definitely like a very niche movie. Um, like it, it definitely isn't appealing to most audiences, but I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's definitely an old person movie, right? It's just, yeah. <laughs> it really just fits that demographic. It looks very pleasant and and comical and emma thompson's great and she's been on the screen for a while so that's just good for people who grew up with her and uh, this is this is a movie i'm really looking forward to i haven't had a chance to check it out yet but uh it was a really one of the biggest tickets at um at sundance like i mentioned last week and amazon bought this movie for 14 million dollars so from that perspective it's made about a little over five about five and a half million so far so it's definitely got to do some more work there in order to really become a moneymaker for them. Uh, but they, they, like you mentioned, they were kind of hoping this movie would kind of break out like the big sick and just kind of roll out into more theaters and make a really, really steady amount of money for over amount, a lot of weeks. And that maybe would lead to a Oscar campaign later in the year. And so, but I, right now that doesn't look incredibly promising. I mean, we'll see. I think next week is going to be the make or break week. So, We'll see if this movie kind of sticks around five million, or even gets like a little bit, a little increase, because it's not really going to enter many more theaters than it has right now. It's about in twenty two hundred right now. So, um, yeah, this, I definitely want to check this movie out, and it's getting getting good reviews. So uh, it looks great. It looks fun. Uh, Mindy Kaling is delightful. Emma Thompson is delightful. So um, this, yeah, I I, I kind of hope this movie does well in future weeks. What we should probably, we should definitely circle back on this one to see how it does. Yeah, my only real complaint with this movie is there's a scene where they're like talking about ratings compared to all the all the other late night hosts. Because um, like besides Emma Thompson's character, they use real examples for her competition. And for whatever reason, they talk about Jimmy Fallon like he's the king of late night right now, um, which <laughs> that, that just really bothers me because <laughs> it's the complete opposite. <laughs> like, like I feel like you could plug him into the story that. Uh, Emma Thompson's character has in this movie where like she's under threat of cancellation and that's like Jimmy Fallon's real life right now. And <laughs> it's like, 
that, that just like really bothers me and I'm, I'm going to stay awake at night just thinking about that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> well, this, who is this the, movie who, is like, who, who is the king of late night right now? Who is like, is it Kimmel? Is it someone else? And Samantha B like, I don't, does anyone watch late night television anymore? <laughs> I don't think it's like they get into that in the movie. They talk about like a lot of how it's like YouTube based, right? Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah. Like, I like that. The modern modern late night is like probably like Kimmel or Corden. Um, Conan is like still late night sort of, but not really. Um, so yeah, like if you're a fan of like the late night television shows and their process, which I am, like I've always just kind of like I used to stay up to watch Conan uh, back in the day on NBC uh, when that was a thing. Um, but <laughs> yeah, like if, if, if you're a fan of like late night comics or just like the process around that, this movie is made for like late night TV show people, uh, which is why it doesn't have just a lot of broad appeal because most of the late night people are like old people that grew up with Carson and Letterman and, you know, Carson's dead and Letterman's retired. So that's, that's kind of its audience problem. But for, I wonder if there's a bunch of, I wonder if there's a bunch of boomers out there yelling at us for calling them old right now for liking this movie. I don't know. Um, yeah, hey, <laughs> we'll check. Like, we'll so. we'll check our D. We'll check our DMs later for that one, I guess. <laughs> but like at the same time, there's a lot of really good, like relevant young people humor. Um, like there's a, and they show it in one of the trailers. There's like one of her segments is she uses like she becomes a white savior for this YouTube segment, and so like she asks people in New York like what their biggest problem with like being judged based on their races, and this this guy's like, well, I can never hail a cab. And so she like hails a cab for him and shoves him in. He's like, I don't need to go anywhere. She's like, no, I just saved you. Just shoves him <laughs> in the funny. cab and sends him on his way. That's funny. Um, like so that. yeah, it's like, it's really smart. Um, and I, I would imagine obviously Amazon owns it. They're going to pump it pretty hard on, on uh, Amazon streaming stuff, but I, I really enjoyed it. Would like to see it continue on with some pretty good legs. Yeah, I think this and Amazon's been doing this for some of their movies. If we see this movie kind of drop off rather quickly, they they might just pull it from theaters and just immediately put it on Amazon Prime and be be available to rent too. So Amazon, they're kind of they're kind of figuring it out with their smaller movies, and I think they're they definitely can work on the fly because this movie was originally supposed to go wide from the start, um, and they they figured they pivoted at the last second figured that they should probably build some more buzz for it so which is why we saw it open in four theaters last week and it did really well in four theaters so uh that seemed like the right move uh, and all this so uh and amazon will amazon will figure out a way to for this movie to have a life beyond its theatrical release i'm sure of it yeah i agree um so moving on another semi-wide release uh not really it only opened up in about 600 more theaters uh, was the dead don't die is the bill murray adam driver um tilda swinton wields a katana in this movie uh zombie movie i haven't seen it sure. yet, but i'm excited <laughs> to see it it's uh, <laughs> it uh you know it only opened to about 2.3 million so it's not going to be a huge hit um you know i think they were kind of hoping it'd be a Shaun of the dead type thing where it just comes in comedically takes over and you know becomes a big uh hit you know, this may be a cult hit, kind of like Shaun of the Dead seen a lot of that as well. But I just don't see this being a huge success if it does actually open with a, a wider release. Yeah, so this is a Jim Jarmusch movie, and he's 
he's like the the really like the hipster like cinephiles like wet dream because no one like no one in the mainstream really knows Jim Jarmusch, but many people who've seen a lot of his movies and he's actually a blind spot on my record as a, as a film fan. But everyone who's seen a lot of his movies considers him as one of the best working directors today. Um, so he definitely has his audience, but he's never made any movies that have been big box office wise. I think the highest rated, the highest um, grossing movie he's made was, I think it was Broken Flowers, which was, came out early 2000s, Bill, another Bill Murray movie. And he made like 13 million. Um, so he just, his movies are very odd. And I think, I wonder if people went to the Dead Don't Die expecting it, expecting it to be a pretty like mainstream movie. And it sounds like it's not that at all. So yeah, it's kind of par for the course yeah. for Jim Jarmusch movies. So um, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely yeah. an indie movie. And <laughs> yeah. Like there's going to be some people who just like, oh, it's a zombie movie. I'll go see this. And it's just like, it'll just be, I imagine from the Jim Jarmusch movies I've seen, it'll just be people just kind of talking to each other and nothing's really, nothing on like the outside is really happening. But then that's just kind of how he likes to operate. Um, one of his movies came out a few years ago called Patterson, which was also with Adam Driver. It's just kind of about a, about a bus driver. It's about a week in his life. He writes poetry and nothing really happens in that movie. It's just kind of him living life for like an hour and a half and that's just kind of it and it's it's great but that's just not going to appeal to wider audiences and i think jim jarmusch knows that but he's just out here making his thing and i think by the cat this cast for this movie is incredible with adam driver bill bill murray and Selena gomez is in there and Iggy, and he pop and just it's just it's just a bizarre cast and he just people really like if you know jim jarmusch and that's kind of your thing like you really love him so uh yeah, Jim Jarmusch just he he doesn't ever make a movie that's for big uh, big wide audiences. He does his own cult thing, and he's really good at it. And his movies are really interesting. The ones I've seen, and I actually need to do some type of binge and watch a bunch of his movies sometime soon because I've really liked the ones I've seen. But uh, yeah, this, this movie was just never really for wide audiences, and it's actually kind of surprising that it got into six hundred theaters. I'm interested to see how it does in future weeks and. Hopefully it makes some money, but because uh, it's fun when these kind of uh, filmmakers get to keep making really interesting movies on some type of budget. But uh, yeah, it's, I think this. I'm, I definitely want to go see this movie. I think it's just this was just never going to be a big hit, and I think they all knew that. But I, I, I'm not sure. We'll we'll see. I'm pretty sure Focus Features wanted more from this, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely not for John Q, a moviegoer. Yeah. Um, so one more just brief note to make about this week's, and then we'll talk about a little preview of next week's box office, is uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco opened up with another small release. Um, it's still only in 36 theaters, um, so not not really pulling um, box office numbers yet because it hasn't opened very wide. Um, but I know you saw it this week and seemed to really enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's really great. Uh it's really, really fantastic. It's a little long. It's about, it's a little over two hours and it definitely feels its length a little bit and especially towards the end, but it is, it is strikingly beautiful in the way it captures San Francisco and gentrification within it. And it's, uh, it's really, really funny. Uh, the two leads, uh, Jimmy fails and Jonathan majors are ridiculously good. And I, I hope this movie continues to expand and finds an audience. Cause I think those two are very worthy of some type of nomination uh, down the line, but uh, this movie is great, and I it's another just another really another just a solid A twenty four movie 
with a lot on its mind and uh just it, it has it has a few of those like moments where you're just astonished at just how beautiful it is and um i i really love this movie and i hope it's we'll see how it works in future weeks uh i mean it did really well in 36 theaters it made about 33 uh, uh what is that i can't see see numbers but it's made about 10,000 per per screen uh, so it's doing really well from that perspective so hopefully it continues to strike up an audience as it slowly expands uh this is definitely an a24 movie that people can it's very accessible so from that perspective i foresee this movie doing pretty well but yeah definitely keep an eye on on out on this one it's really great yeah and so next week we have the end of this box office slump um toy story 4 is going to be a billion dollar movie uh, like there's no way it isn't yeah. <laughs> easy um <laughs> Um, right now, it's sitting it at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty average for Toy Story. Um, I think they're all sitting at 99 or 100, and this is after 94 reviews. Like th- this is they somehow done it again with the fourth installment, um, which is insane. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> and and so yeah, yeah. Like this is a billion dollar movie. Um, I think this will probably outgross captain marvel take the number two spot for the year for now um like this is just going to be huge i think that's a safe bet yeah we can easily pencil this in for 900 to 900 million to a billion like it's going to happen it's gonna i haven't seen what the tracking is but if this movie doesn't make around 200 million i would in its first weekend i'd be kind of surprised um it's just everyone loves toy story like if you don't like toy story then I like you. Everyone just kind of thinks you're like you suck. Like who? Can, who? Who? That's a weird take to have. It's a weird thing to not like. Um, and uh, I was a little. I was a little nervous about a fourth Toy Story, but it seems like they've done a really solid job with it. So I'm really looking forward to this movie. I'm sure it's going to be really delightful. Yeah, and I mean it's got a 100 on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Like I said a minute ago, but you know Armand White has not reviewed it yet. So <laughs> yeah, we're waiting for him. Right. Just uh, for anybody that doesn't know who Armand White is, he is like the antithesis to a critic. Like he disagrees with everybody on everything. Um, Like he made Man of Steel his 2013 movie of the year. Uh, um, (laughs) Toy Story 3 sat at 100 for quite a while on Rotten Tomatoes, and he gave it its only negative review, um, which I have pulled up just because I think it is hilarious. (laughs) And I want to read an excerpt of his review of Toy Story 3. <laughs> oh, this so, is great. In Armand White's words, this is Toy Story 3. It's so besotted with brand names and product placement that it stops being about the innocent pleasures of imagination, the usefulness of toys, and strictly celebrates consumerism. But none of these digital cartoon characters reflect human experience. It's essentially a board game that only the brainwashed will buy into. Besides, Transformers 2 already explored the same plot to greater thrill and opulence. Yikes. What a take by my man Armand. Oh my gosh. That's scaldingly hot. Oh god. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, So I can't wait to see him compare Toy Story 4 to Suicide Squad or something like that. Um. (laughs) I think he famously said that the 
I now pronounce pronounce you Chuck and Larry is like the movie of a generation or something like that. Like so it was just something absurd where he thought it was like the most ingenious thing ever. So um, this is I love it. This is hilarious. Yeah, he likes video game movies, um, which should be the first red flag that you see there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a tearjerker. Um, you know, I really uh, like. Toy Story we didn't think was going to come back um, <laughs> there was no real reason to and the only way I can see them like giving a meaningful story is if they actually split up Buzz and Woody and like the gang goes their separate ways um, which obviously will just destroy the theater but I, I hope they like actually give it another conclusion um, which would be hard to do after already concluding it in Toy Story 3 but I mean, Pixar's proven they can do miracles with this franchise. So, yeah, it's it's either it's one of those things with Pixar. You, you, you're either going to cry at the beginning of the movie, or you're going to cry at the end. It's one one of the two, or both. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it's uh, when in the in the trailer when the the spork talks to Woody and he's like, "Why am I alive?" And I'm like, "Oh no, this is a kids movie." <laughs> Uh, this is uh, it's just the kind of stuff that this this franchise or just all Pixar movies have always dealt with and just they find really interesting ways to talk about death and loss and uh, moving on with your life and growing up so uh, that's just I I was just always scared that a fourth movie would kind of taint what the three Toy Story movies have done before but it looks like it there's no problem with that and critics other critics that I really uh, look up to seem to feel that way after seeing the movie at early screenings. So uh, I'm really, yeah, really looking forward to this. It's going to make all the money in the world um, and just do really well. And we're going to be talking about it for weeks. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also interested to see how child's play the reboot performs next week. Um, Cause we're starting to like really heavily get into that wave of horror reboots and remakes that it started. Um, and, like Child's Play is a weird franchise to reboot because like they're still making movies in the original series. Um, like I think the last one came out to Netflix a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like rebooting it, but also pumping out direct to video like Chucky sequels. Um, so <laughs> I don't really know where this one's going to land. Um, I don't know if Child's Play really has the following that like Halloween or even Stephen King has um, like, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see how this movie lands next week. Yeah. It looks like, it looks like child's play Genesis, doesn't it? It's just where, where Chucky is like basically is <laughs> he's an app at this point. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this it's, it's weird. Like uh, it's, yeah. As you mentioned, they're making the, the original series is still going and there is going to be a TV show in that, in that franchise coming out next year. And, which is just bizarre, and because uh, because an MGM owns the rights to the original Child's Play, they can spin it off how they please. So, uh, really bizarre, and it's just a weird place to have this movie because we're gonna have Annabelle coming out just five days after that. So we have another killer doll movie within the same week, which is just so weird. Uh, <laughs> to me. So I, it's just and Abby Plaza and Brian Tyree Henry is in there in those movies, and Mark Hamill is the voice of Jackie, yeah. which is. I mean, kind of great, but it's just so bizarre when put into the whole context of it. Um, it's just weird. And I mean, we can talk about it a little bit too, but there's another movie looks like it's Jane Wick, essentially, or Russian Wick with uh, Anna yeah. coming out. 
um, which is another R movie, and I'm curious if that'll if those two will kind of cannibalize each other because they're both hard. They look like they're both hard R, and they may maybe they appeal to the same market. But uh, it's just it's just weird. I just don't really, yeah. I don't understand why Child's Play is a thing in this form. It's just it's 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 really weird. Yeah, I think. Um... I think it's kind of going to be like Men in Black International and just really be pasted together. Um, so, like, Mark Hamill wasn't announced as the voice of Chucky until, like, two months ago, um, which, considering he's kind of the icon and the star, that's pretty unusual uh, for something this big <laughs> or that, you know, has as much of a following as, as Child's Play has. Um, so I, I really have no idea where this is going to land. Um I mean, yeah, this movie marketing could make his... this movie could make nothing, and I think I would bet on him making making nothing, or it's could be like a little sleeper hit. I mean, I can't imagine the budget is too big on it. So I don't know. It's just it's one of those oddities. It's people trying to. It's really funny in this day and age of IP that we talked about earlier. It's just people are doing whatever they can to make money off of of off of things they've already made before. So uh, just yeah, it's it is really really weird. Yeah, and um, the marketing so far for it has pretty much just been like posters of dismembered Toy Story characters. Um, so, I, other than the fact that Chucky's an app in the trailer, I really don't know like what all this is going to add to anything. Um, so, I like don't know where it's going to land. I could see it like very quickly becoming irrelevant. Um, like this, this will be an interesting one to watch. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if the the main like fans are just gonna just gonna hate it just out of principle because they are already so into the ongoing Chucky series and they're just kind of angry that this is a thing to begin with. So that's also something to look at. People just people might not even give this movie a chance, which which is kind of weird. But it's it, yeah, it, this is just this is bizarre. It's such a weird choice. Yeah, I mean, it, it may be one of those things where like you just have people that would rather watch one of the eight Chucky movies on Netflix than go out and see, you know, the reboot of it. So yeah, very, who knows? very possible. So yeah, that's kind of the preview for next week. And that pretty much wraps up this episode. So we'll be back next week talking about uh, Toy Story 4, Child's Play and Anna. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Movie Babble Podcast. Again, you can check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com and join us next week as we talk about the opening weekend for Toy Story 4, Child's Play, and Honor.